0: Welcome to everybody to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you for listening and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we talk with our guests, Uh, they become friends and part of this uh, Tell Me Your Story family when we find out about where they're coming from, what they have to offer, and today is no exception, Uh, a woman who has... um, I, I suppose we could use the the euphemism, gone through the ringer, especially when you take into consideration some of the things that she has gone through in the last 20 years plus, and we're going to talk with her. Her name is Carrie Hart, and uh, she has a website, of course, and it is CarrieHart.com, and she has written a number of books, one in particular we're going to focus on today, Sojourn in Ataque Mind-Expanding Ideas and Practices, Practical Tools for uh, the Open minded seeker of a meaningful life. Carrie, thank you so much for being with us today. It's really a pleasure to have you with us again, as I said before, especially considering some of the things that you've been through in your life.
1: Well, thank you so much. I'm just delighted to be here.
0: You, uh, I, I, it, it seems as though your journey, I, I, I suppose I could put it, um, officially began around the time of your husband uh edwards passing would that be a fair assessment well the,
1: the writing my book began there it was a a point of reassessment i mean ed and i had been married for 46 years
2: mm.
1: and um well it, you know if you've ever gone through that, it's a lot to go through. And what happened is in order to get through it and to not only survive and go on, but to create a life that still had joy at its center, what I did was I turned to all these tools and techniques that I had discovered in a spiritual journey that had been going on for 25 years. And I dipped down into that to to rebuild my life, to create a new life mm. that where I could still say, yeah, I'm glad to be alive, right?
0: Yeah. Well, there are some of us who have experienced something similar as far as the loss of a spouse, but um. not actually through death uh, in my case, uh, through divorce, uh-huh. and uh, it is a little lesser of a form of a death, but still, that is what it's been. That's what it's been called over the years. People have referred yeah. to it as such. And uh, yeah, there was a time, uh, and every once in a while, I I don't know if I want to say I reminisce, but I go back <laughs> in my mind to to those good times, to those wonderful times, to those connected yeah. times. That we had, and uh, and and wonder what, what did I, what did I do wrong to end up out here, uh, you know, uh, you know, out in the wilderness, so to speak. And uh, then, of course, uh, you know, life continues on. And in my case, another spouse, and and uh, making the oh, commitment, well, good. yeah, and making the commitment that I'm not going to let that happen again. I'm going to do. Oh. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm doing everything I can to hold it together. Okay. As a matter of of fact, as of our conversation, we will be celebrating 20 years of marriage uh, the 21st of December, 2022. So bravo, bravo, but a
1: good marriage is such a fabulous foundation in life, isn't it?
0: It certainly, it certainly is. It certainly is. Uh, Yeah. The place
1: where you can be centered in a really good marriage, it can help. Can help you grow as an individual person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, your latest book, uh, which is, as I mentioned, Sojourner in Adequay. Again, it is mind expanding, mind expanding ideas and practical tools for the open minded seeker of a meaningful life. It seems to me and I want to get into this, of course, we'll we'll find out. Uh, first of all, about your sojourn and you as a sojourner, and also this this place they call uh, ataqua that uh, you have referred mm-hmm.
1: to. Attaqua. Attaqua,
0: Attaqua, not Attaqua, Attaqua. Um, uh-huh. But when you uh, uh, were on your journey, when would you say uh, your, and I'll, I'll use your term, when did your sojourn, your... More metaphysical or spiritual sojourn begin, and obviously it was long before, uh, maybe yeah. even before you were married yeah. for forty years. Yeah,
1: <laughs> well, it happened somewhere in the middle of that marriage. Okay. Uh, so, but it happened on my quite specifically on my fiftieth birthday. Oh wow! Yeah, I had uh, uh, several amazing things happen right on my fiftieth birthday. The first was I had been. I was not religious. I was not interested in the paranormal or the religious. I just I was just a totally secular person. <laughs> and I uh on my 50th birthday, two people gave me gifts, gave me books of a spiritual nature, which was kind of surprising to me because I had that wasn't anything we'd talked about, but but you know how that works, that when the time is there, people reach out and give you what you need. Mm-hmm. And so one of those books was a Deepak Chopra book, which I enjoyed very much. And I've read a lot of Deepak Chopra since then. And the other was a book called Artist's Way. Uh, and one of the things they said in the Artist's Way was they asked you to journal every day. They did something they called the daily pages. And so you would just write three pages every day. And so the person who gave me that gift gave me the artist's way plus a journal blank pages. And what also happened on my 50th birthday, because I remember it was the very first entry I made in my journal, was I just learned today. So today's my 50th birthday. I just learned today that there are headhunters looking to replace me in my job. Mm. <laughs> Oh. i was uh I was in the corporate world, and I was a vice Had This was a very important job for me. It was my first job as a vice president of uh information technology and i t and there I was in the i t corporate world with no spiritual things and that that combination of people reaching out to me with spiritual books and a morning practice that I began of journaling. And getting fired from my job <laughs> which freed me up to have a lot of spiritual time. <laughs> you know how it is? It's like i I suspect a divorce is the same kind of idea. I haven't never been divorced myself, but I suspect it's the same that sometimes these events that happen just they just catapult you into new ways of looking at things. And certainly a job loss of an important job is one of those things that does that. And then what happened was I so I started writing my my uh journal, but it was it was still secular at that point. And then one day I went into a bookstore and found myself walking down the aisle I always avoided, the one that says spirituality and religion. Mm-hmm. I found myself walking down that aisle, and I was just drawn to a book called "You Are Psychic." And as I say, I've never been interested in psychic phenomena either, <laughs> and, but I was just drawn to that book. And that book, I read, I bought, and I read. And one of the they they were asking you, telling you how to expand your what we would now call intuitive senses, uh-huh. and. One of them was a practice of in the morning, ask for a word for the day and jot down what comes to you. And so since I was already, had just started a practice of journaling, I would go down in the morning and as part of my journaling, I would do what they said in the book, I'd breathe down to a peaceful place and ask for a word for the day. And Some word would just pop into my mind, I'd write it down, and then during the day, I found that something would happen during the day that made that word an important thing, right? Mm -hmm. And this was my opening, this was my beginning of an understanding of the kind of help and guidance that is actually there for us, and it led from a word for the day to messages to messages full of advice and uh, that as i say that was my opening and sometimes when you have a you just open the door a crack and all of a sudden then the wind comes (laughs) and the door is blown wide open and you're just taken into a new life
0: yeah i i can relate to that because um i i uh uh have have been a part of musical groups, uh, uh, oh. choruses over uh, in high school, uh-huh. uh, and then uh, when I moved to Santa Barbara, I got involved with a, a local chorus and quartet. Uh, in other words, the it was a men's yeah. pri- it was a men's chorus group, and then we would uh, break up into quartets and uh, learn. Oh. And then it was also that process uh, where I learned that my father in his youth, was a member of a quartet. I'd never heard about that before, that he was a member of a quartet. Anyway. Was so a
1: barbershop? barbershop?
0: Barbershop, yes.
1: Oh, right. And uh, I'm going to tell you, what a, what a great experience. My father was in a barbershop quartet.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you. Then just recently, it uh, was last uh, late July, early August, that I was. it was suggested that I go in to audition. Now, I've never done any of this before. I've not auditioned Uh for anything. I've gone to job interviews, which is an audition. but And they say, you know, you want to audition for what they call the Santa Barbara Revels.
2: Uh
0: And it's a group that performs here in Santa Barbara. We are putting on a performance on the 17th and 18th of uh, December at our local Uh Libero Theater, the Scottish Solstice Celebration for Christmas. And there are actually three performances. I figured just one performance. No, that's okay. Three. Uh-huh. There are three. Oh, okay. Uh, so I go in and I audition, and of course, you know, uh, I am selected. They, they, Yay. Uh, you know, so I'm a part of the uh, the tenor group. Yay. But I was not wanting to take on any acting. However, I was uh, sort of drafted uh, for one of two parts. One part has two lines, and the other part, which is between those two lines, has one line. Okay. And they haven't decided yet which one of those I'm going to be. But be that as it may, I have those memorized. Uh didn't think I could really do that, but it wasn't that hard because it was a whole whopping three lines.
2: Uh
1: huh.
0: And what it's done is it's introduced me to some new people. Uh, uh-huh. It's introduced me certainly to a new experience. And a lot of these yeah. folks have been doing this for two, three, four, five, ten years, 15 years, that kind of thing. And it allows me to bring something home to the wife, you know, in terms of if if not sharing the experiences at least bringing into the home a different energy, a different mood, if you will, uh, not that my moods weren't that bad or anything, but just it, it it's something that I'm experiencing, and I'm sure that you have you have been. Expression is such
1: a huge, yeah. huge part
0: mm-hmm. of
1: the life, the, of a full life.
0: Yeah. Well, as I said, it's, it's, it's been very interesting. Um, as of our conversation, uh, I don't know how it's going to go on the 17th and 18th. All I know is in talking with one of the gentlemen there who uh, uh, has been in it for like three years we had an interesting experience with the director during one of the rehearsals on a Saturday. And yeah. uh, a lot of people were still reading from the songbook. They were still reading the, the and from the script, you know.
2: Uh-huh.
0: And he just, and he didn't scream or yell or anything, but he was he made it abundantly clear that he was disappointed that people were not out of the book yet. Oh, yeah. So yeah. at the Monday choir practice, I asked uh, this one guy had been in for three, I said, was that an unusual experience or does that happen every year? He says, oh, no, no, no. That happens every year about this time. There's one Saturday where the director will basically – I don't want to say go off the rails but you know, he, he's not happy. And mm-hmm. it sort of puts a fire under people to really – and then by the time we get to the performances, it's magic. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, thank God because I, you know, I only had three lines but uh, they hadn't decided which ones. I knew what they were we made it through blah 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 and it it brought to mind and this is something that i want to talk to you about in terms of your experiences uh primarily from your past in that when you uh, have stepped through some of these doors mm-hmm. you know or maybe windows who knows um It must have been very uncomfortable, just as it has been for me in certain instances going through this process over the last few months of rehearsals. Mm. Uh, It must have been uncomfortable. And in one of my previous interviews just recently, that is one of the ways in which you know that you are sort of going in the right direction, that you're safe, okay, you're okay but you're uncomfortable. Yeah, you're challenged.
1: Mm-hmm. You're challenged. Mm-hmm. You're uh, so. Gee, I have so many things I uh, are going through my mind based on what you're saying. First off, I'm a singer too, and I am part of the Angel City Chorale, a big choir, like a hundred and eighty person choir in mm. Los Angeles. Wow. So, yeah, we're neighbors, and I'm I I understand the singing. And one of the really interesting things. Uh, is that it was my singing and performing that first made me really, really wonder about energy and intuition. In that what I found when I was out performing and the lights were off, so I couldn't see the audience, right? And there's music, you know you can hear the music the band or whatever so you can't hear the audience mm-hmm. you know how the audience feels when you feel you feel the energy of the audience, and you can feel when they love what you're doing, especially as a, well, a quartet is like a solo. You're out there. You're yeah. out there. Oh, you're yeah. Kind of like in, in a big choir. And you do something, and say you have a gesture, or when you deliver one of your rear lines, you hit one part of the song, you can feel them. You feel that connection. It's beautiful. I love it. It was one of the first things that made me. It was an opening door for me well before I was looking at things I might call spiritual. It was just that something's going on here. There's more. This, this is an energetic experience. And, uh, so, but back to what you're talking about, the uncomfortable. I actually have a term for that.
2: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. And that I call it scary good. When I'm in a situation where I know it's what I'm meant to do, I'm driven to overcome the challenges and go forward and do something courageous, but I'm scared, (laughs) I'm scared. And of course your first singing experiences and like you're talking about acting, I haven't, you know, those kind of experiences and auditioning is horrifying too. So you're, um, these are scary things that you feel driven to go do them because there's something in you that says i'm meant to do this this is important i'm going to work through whatever it is on and to me those moments those scary good things are the times when when you to me it's a signal you're walking your path yeah because your path is always full of challenges. If you're just walking along, everything's fine. I get up today and I'm just going along and everything's easy. uh, That's less of an indication (laughs) that if I am put in like you're talking about highly uncomfortable and challenging things where I have to dig deep and pull out everything I have and give it and really risk risk everything because that's the way it feels. Mm that's when i'm when i feel i feel that that's a sign that you're doing something really important with your life i uh,
0: I would agree uh I've often found that when the job and i've been doing this for forty three plus years um, huh. when it becomes uh I don't want to say easy, but when when uh, uh, there's tranquility and mm-hmm. there's peace and there's the uh, which is all good. There's nothing wrong with that.
1: Ah, that's all. I good. know.
0: I know the rapids are coming. <laughs> okay, I know. <laughs> I know the <laughs> right. rapids. They are a coming, and um, I I need to prepare for that. And there's again, there's nothing wrong with the rapids either because. It's going to teach me how to ride the rapids as we we teach people how to listen to Tell Me Your Story. We're talking with Carrie Hart and we're talking about uh, Sojourner to Attaquay here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it's a pleasure to have Carrie, Carrie Hart, not the other guy, but this is Carrie Hart on the program (laughs) talking about her sojourn. Tell us about what Attaquay is
1: Atakway. All right. Atque, so, where
0: where is it on the map?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh on the map. Let's see. It's on a depends on what kind of a map we're looking at. Uh. If you were looking at a map of the universe, <laughs> uh where you would find that is in between what I call to me, there's, there's a, a place that I call the great all or the oneness, a place where we're all one and, and our highest possible energy. And then there's us down here on the earth. And down here on the earth, we are trying through our practices to reach up to that energy of our highest self, to that energy of, of the goodness, and beauty and wonder that i see it as a, a channel flowing down to us mm-hmm. and where aequae is is in that region between the great all in oneness of the of light and love and us down here as these earth earth beings trying to make our way In between that, there is a range where intuition and serendipity, and maybe you're talking to some angels or spirit guides, all of that part of wonder, the wonder is where the miracles happen. It's where the surprise healings happen. It's where, as I say, you may be, getting messages and knowings. It's its where that knowing that you should go forward and audition for uh, the Santa Barbara Quartet,
2: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's
1: in that region. And so um, I have, over all the years, I travel, <laughs> consciously travel into that region and receive messages. I do channeling. Mm-hmm. receive messages from that area and uh, help people receive those messages and one day I was having a journey all on my own and I was recording it though I was talking I was uh, recording my experiences I'm going along and having my journey and I saw and this would be I guess I'd say in my mind's eye mm-hmm. Um, a blue portal and I went through and there was an energy on the other side called Wanatakwe. And this energy of Wanatakwe wanted to be brought out into the world as it is now. It was energy that had been very active thousands of years ago in the Amazon region. I know this all sounds pretty far out, doesn't it?
0: (laughs) No, no, interestingly enough, it does not. Because of some of the things that we've started to get into here in the 21st century, and especially in the 2020s, you know, we're we're diving into those realms. I mean, you know, we cannot ignore them anymore because they're coming through. Right. So,
1: Wanatakwe asked me to bring it back through the portal to become a part of our earth energy, the energy that's alive on the earth right now. And then I worked with it for a little while and then it went out and I understood that what it needed to do was to learn how things are on the earth now so that it could help fulfill its mission, which was to help humanity. I want to say to help restore the dignity of humanity. You know, that best that we can be, that best oh, yeah. mm-hmm. that we are when we're authentic and true and full of beauty and love and life. Right. And so then it went went kind of out on a journey that didn't involve me for a few years. And now it's come back. Let's come back and um kind of asking me to help help it fulfill its mission uh, through me and one of the gifts of that energy has been a vocabulary in other words the there are things that are very hard to describe without using a vocabulary that is totally steeped in religion or spiritual beliefs of some sort, and that isn't what you want to convey, right? You want you want. Or in the case of adhikar, it describes something that we don't really have a word for in English. Um, Deepak Chopra would call adhikar non-local consciousness. That's what he calls it in his books when he refers to that zone that we enter. Mm-hmm. And I know when I've done some readings in shamanism, uh, Michael Warner in particular, he refers to adekwe as non ordinary reality. So what both of those terms are trying to express is a place we go that's real, but it's not our ordinary place that we are. And it's, uh, and it's a place of consciousness as Deepak Chopra is saying, and he's saying non local because when you enter Autoquay, you're entering a place that goes beyond time and space. A place where you can know, where your intuition can know things that you couldn't know otherwise. Like you know who is on the telephone before you pick it up. Or you know, you know something is coming before you answer the door. Or in some cases, for instance, people have had experiences. It's not uncommon for someone to know when someone else dies, even though they're not with them, someone close to them. Mm -hmm. And these are experiences all humans have. And yet our, our culture in the Western culture tells us these aren't real, right? It tries to diminish these experiences instead of honor them. And we don't even have a word for the place that we go to for that non or. But now we do. Adequay.
0: Yeah. Adequay. Adequay. Adequay is how it's that's pronounced.
1: Where you, that's where you go to have those experiences that you can't quite describe any other way.
0: Yeah. Fascinating. We're talking with Carrie Hart, Sojourner to Ataquay. And we are talking about the work that she is doing, helping others to uh, to find their way in this world uh, through other worlds, and that's what we're talking about here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it is really a pleasure to have the author of Sojourner in Attakuye, mind-expanding ideas and practical tools to to for the open-minded seeker of a meaningful life. Now. That's an interesting turn of a phrase, open-minded seeker. Uh, It seems to me that it would be an oxymoron to say uh, that uh, so-and-so is a closed-minded seeker. (laughs) They wouldn't be a seeker if they were closed-minded. So it's almost – there is a certain element – and this is in my mind, okay? This is Uh me uh, of a redundancy. But what I find interesting is you use that turn of a phrase – During this period of time in which we live, because there are so many people who are so certain about what they believe, what they uh, what they profess, uh, what their allegiance is to and so on and so forth. And I constantly am going back to the phrase that I heard back when I was in my early 20s. And that was it is better to begin in doubt and end in certainty than to begin in certainty and end in doubt. And then there's a second one that would apply to the uh, the second half of that in terms of beginning in certainty and ending in doubt, and that is, it is better to uh, uh, stay silent than open your mouth and remove all doubt as to whether or not you are uh, a fool or not.
1: (laughs) Right. I have heard that, yes.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, I, again, I like the turn of the phrase there, open-minded seeker. You've got to open your mind. And that's we, – we place this – we have this for 15 years and actually longer than that because I've been doing this for a lot longer than the 15 years we've been doing this program. We've laid out what I like to call this giant smorgasbord table. It's It's okay. huge. Yeah, And sure. it's filled with all of the ideas and thoughts and beliefs and concepts of all of my guests and myself. And I just ask people to come and partake of those things that resonate with them. And walk away and, you know, feel them, taste them, see them, hear them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then come back to the table after you've had a chance to to assimilate what you have uh, taken from the table. Yeah. And who knows what you didn't like or what didn't resonate with you before may resonate with you now. And you that's part of the yes. spiritual, if you will, evolutionary process, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yes, it certainly is. And oh, I just love everything you've said. And I think that... Uh one of the main reasons I wanted to put i agree with what you're saying about open minded and seeker kind of saying the same thing, but I wanted to say specifically open minded because to me uh if i have if i've said oh i I accept everything in this dogma, i accept i mean- yeah, I want a meaningful life, but I have signed up for this particular dogma. To Me, that's not being a seeker or open minded, <laughs> right. right? No, no, no,
0: absolutely, yeah. absolutely.
1: And and I, if this is a seeking, I don't expect to ever end. I think it's a lifetime of seeking because, as you say, every time you go and you get that little piece, and then you go off and you explore it. And you bring it into your life. And all it does is open up more questions. And you keep going to more and more openness. And it gets wider and more expanded. Is a beautiful, beautiful way to live. And curiosity. Don't you love the word curiosity? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. (laughs) And we just want to keep saying, what else? What else? What else? What Mm -hmm. other wonderful things can I do? And I like to... To be able to uh, there are some people where it, it's a I think these are different people. I'm not sure. I'm not so much after becoming a highly enlightened enlightened person in ascension and a focus on an afterlife isn't my thing. Yeah, my thing is more what can I learn in an expanding Growing self growth way that makes this life a beautiful life
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and makes this life and these relationships, like we're talking about in a a beautiful marriage, this is a wonderful thing to experience. Yeah, wonderful relationships, music. These are (laughs) there's so much beauty and wonder in this life when we uh even just learn a few things about coming into the present moment
0: yeah. right mindfulness and, uh, you're you're kind of yeah. bringing up the subject of mindfulness
1: yes yeah yeah and don't you find that that's one of the things that you love about music
0: oh god yes uh my favorite artists in particular what what really blows me away about their music is how relevant it still is even today after, quite literally, 40 years. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, the music I listen to, the music that I really love from the artists that I really enjoy goes back to the 70s when I was a teenager. Oh,
1: tell me one of them. them.
0: (laughs) uh, Well, uh, it would be, uh, for example, one of my favorite artists is John Denver. And, oh, yes. And and, he, and the, the the music he sings about in terms of, of course... Any his,
1: song. I yeah. love any song. <laughs> his
0: life and what is, as he puts it, what is so about his life. Uh, what makes him who he is. Uh, I even have, I got a copy of his Audible book, uh, his book uh, in audible form. And I listened to it. And then, of course, I, I've listened to his music over and over again. And, of course, the story of his life is not the same as the story that he paints. And it's not that he's uh, he's not lying in his music, but it's like there are certain moments in his life that he puts into song, into lyric, into poetry, right. that right. for some reason he just he couldn't maintain it all the way through
1: mm-hmm. uh, from
0: one moment to the next. Wow. Well, you know. yeah. But... But the way he sings about the things that are important to him. I think my, one of my favorites, there, well, there are two in particular. One of them is, uh, uh, I want to live. I want to grow. I want to see. I want to know. I want to share all I can give. I want to be. I want to live. Then there's another one that starts out. And, of course, I was born. I was born under the sign of cancer in Western astrology. So I was born in June. And there's a song, at, which is written about his, one of his sons, uh, his son, uh, that basically starts out, born in the month of June, no silver spoon to help you out, your mother had you naturally, naturally is the way you came out. You know your own mind and you show it to me, give me the high sign when you want to be free, and so forth and so on. So, he is sharing these things. Well, I just started my initial career songwriting, I've written one, and um, I'm doing the same kind of thing based upon where I'm at at that particular moment. It was a little, a little over a year ago. I was facilitated by a good friend who um, assisted me in the, in the process, did not feed me this, the, the, the notes, nor did she feed me the words. Uh, she just helped me to bring the words out of myself and put them down on the paper. And mm-hmm. the, basically, the song is entitled, I'm a Good Man. And the chorus um, is, I'm a good man doing the best I can. Where I'm going is where I'm coming from. Yeah,
2: and I have nine.
0: four verses. One pays a little homage to to uh, my wife. You're another gonna, one pays a little homage little to my parents. Me. I'm sorry? You're, you're going to single that line
1: so I can hear your voice?
0: Oh, you mean, the, uh, uh, well, I can. Uh, but before I do that, then another one does pay homage to my three favorite artists, John Denver, oh. Dan Fogelberg, and Harry Chapin. Oh, some, yeah. some great storytellers, great storytellers, as, yeah, as well as a verse that uh, the first verse that basically speaks to uh, an incident. And this was a conversation she my facilitator and I had. She says, go back and think of a time where you did something that you wish you hadn't done and you you kind of caught it right away and you tried to fix it the best you could. Oh. And and the, basically, the, 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 the piece is, um, uh, I had you on the phone, uh, you know, uh, years ago, uh, I was talking to you on the phone, and I said some things I knew I shouldn't say. When I hung up, I knew I had done you wrong, but I'm a good man doing the best I can, and um, yeah, so,
1: nice.
0: I like that. And the three verses, uh, that one came along along with the chorus and it. That took about two months. The other three verses came along one night at two a.m. Uh, after a little drama, and uh, I it just that stuff. It just came out. It was great. Uh-huh. But I put this together, and I got to have a greater appreciation for songwriters mm-hmm. and what not only what they go through because I've I've listened to John in his interviews, especially. On the Tonight Show, where he would talk about how he says, "Yeah, I'm I'm a performer," you know, and yeah. sometimes it takes minutes to write a song. They just, you know, and that's far and few between. Other times, it can take months or years uh, mm-hmm. to to finish a work. But what I've noticed, uh, Car- Carrie, is that the singers who are really successful. Mm-hmm and maybe it is monetarily, they sing and write their songs and sing those songs from the heart, from not only real experiences, but in a lot of cases from a lot of real pain and heartache mm-hmm. as well as real joy and happiness.
1: Well, what I think is so interesting about this focus on music, is, I as I said, music was really where I, before I understood the the spirituality kind of stuff Mm -hmm. i was getting all this through music and one of the things that was so interesting in the musical experience is and this you can experience both as a performer it's a little stronger if you're a performer but it's also true listening there can be a moment in the song and especially if you're singing where you are so deeply connected with your heart and spirit that you get chills all over and you're you're you feel transported to another place it's like going it's like it's like being in a forest it's like like looking at a sunset it's Mm. and that is actually the experience of adequate it's lifting yourself into the zone, into the place that goes beyond time and space. And music does such a beautiful job of that. And what I noticed, too, as a performer, is that let's say I'm singing a song, but I'm feeling kind of distracted. I'm not totally centered into it. And it's, a, it's an okay experience. And the audience likes it okay. But then I have some song where I hit the heart of it, like you're saying, like like your favorite artist do when they're doing a great rendition of Mm -hmm. their song. You hit the heart of it, you get that total connection and you have chills and you say, wow, I just got lifted beyond myself in that song. Your audience experiences it in exactly the same way. And that's why you can tell when you listen to the recordings of a true artist like that, you can feel them, that they're in that place. And what I found later Here I'm years later doing channelings for people. I'm receiving a message from Spirit for someone. And I'll be going on. I'll be getting myself down into that zone and I'm going and I'm getting a message for them and all of a sudden I hit some sentence where I get that same feeling of the chills and the connection and I realize that was the sentence that they needed to hear, right? Mm-hmm. That was what the whole thing was about, why they came to me, well all you know, it may have been a message that lasted a half an hour, but it had one <laughs> sentence in it that was the core. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. It's a
1: beautiful thing. I, I think that, that you're pursuing music like that is so important. Yeah. It just ugh. Well and, and it's interesting, those people you're talking about, they are all still storytellers. Yeah. That's why I love, uh, in crafting, cause I'm a songwriter too. When mm-hmm. in crafting a song, you get to do all these things. You get inspiration. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get inspiration that just comes from nowhere. You're just saying, Oh, oh. And of course, I would say that's coming from Autoquay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and, and then you have the, just the beautiful experience of delivering that and the vulnerability of it. Have you performed your song live for people yet?
0: Uh, so far, I've done it once, and it was mm-hmm. at uh, it was at a gathering. Uh, I want to say it was uh, it was young and old, but it was at sort of a, a, a retirement center. But there were yeah. young people there. There were the parents of some of the retired people, and I was part of I was part of this. My facilitators get together where she had other people she teaches to sing and or play instruments. Wonderful. This is what she does. And so I was actually last on the, I think I was last on the docket, which was okay for me. I, you know, I, I just kind of, uh, it was very interesting. And afterwards, um, I then had to deal with the compliments. I had to deal with the praise and mm-hmm. keep my mouth shut other than to say, thank you. Thank Have you. you
1: ever felt so vulnerable in your life, though, oh. as a song that you wrote about yeah. your feelings? Yeah. And now you are performing it yeah. live in front of people you don't even know. It's an amazing feeling.
0: And, <laughs> and some of the, the men came up to me and said, uh, yeah, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I, 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 I it was that was great. I, It touched me, you know. Yeah. Um, And so because as guys, you know, we're the fixers. I mean, that's stereotypically we're the fixer. Yeah.
2: you got a problem,
0: ma'am. I'm going to fix it for you. But she doesn't want it fixed. Okay, Mm -hmm. so we're just doing the best we can. We're trying to understand we're doing our best to understand and to uh, to appreciate. Um, I think that one of the things I wanted to ask you about in the light of uh, uh, adequate has to do with. Uh, This this aspect of uh, I don't want uh, how do I put this Um, dissolving some of these stereotypes of gender and folks I'm not talking. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, uh, I want to be a woman or I'm a trans or no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the the roles that our society, specifically the patriarchal society, has placed. And I've heard it said, uh, Kerry. that as detrimental as the patriarchal system has been to women, it has been almost as detrimental to men
1: you know what's interesting to me is that it, you say patriarchal, but let's take that even to a slightly higher level and sure. say it's the hierarchical okay the idea. That and see, and that's one of the things that really bothers me about established religion. It's very hierarchical.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. You know, oh, there's this God that knows better and judges you, and oh, then there are these these representatives that they know more and judge you. This whole hierarchy, and our society, our culture is built on hierarchy. Yeah. My spiritual beliefs, after. Uh, exploring all of this is totally non-hierarchical. You and I, and if you're a man or a woman, if you are a king or, uh, someone living in a refugee camp, if you are president or, you know, one of the peons working for the CEO, whatever it is, you're all equal. And that whole patriarchal hierarchy, it's the same thing. It's just that men were put at the top of the hierarchy. But it's rather the problem is not just patriarchy, it's hierarchy. Mm. In other words, if you put Mm. a woman at the top of the hierarchy, that's wrong too.
0: Right. Yeah, I get you. Correct. Yeah.
1: And it's funny you should bring this up because I was just this morning talking to a friend of mine about that. And I said that about my total dislike for hierarchy and I was I spent many years in a in the corporate world the corporate world is totally hierarchical oh my god uh, yeah. you have the people up here that make the decisions whether or not to hire and fire the people down here and that tell them what to do and it it's uh not some of that maybe you know there are people that need to be leaders and people that need to go along but the whole structure about the salaries that there are people up here that get $10 million and people down here that get $12 an
2: hour.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and there are people up here that have the huge, uh, penthouse office and all, you know, the whole thing. It's all built on status, structure, yeah. hierarchy. And when you go into the, spiritual world, or actually musical, you know, when you are really opening yourself to the beauty of life, it's totally non-hierarchical. And it, it's a, I think it's a goal we need to have. It's kind of like the, the, the business world and the political world are winners and losers. Mm, yeah. And What, and it's so it's so wrong.
0: (laughs) And it would be, and 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 even what I was going to say uh, would be just as wrong uh, by flipping the pyramid upside down, so the base is up, and the uh, point is down. But the the pay scale is still up. In other words, uh, when it's flipped the other way, you've got the one guy at the top who's making ten million. You flip the pyramid, now all the little people are making ten million. That isn't any better than than the other. And I don't, I you know, I sit here and I go, what is it that you are doing, Mr. CEO, that justifies you taking home this massive bonus? And sell? what are you, are you digging dish, ditches with a golden shovel or something? I don't understand. No,
1: it's a mystery, isn't it? It is.
0: It is truly a mystery. Uh, and 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 our- again, as you said, we do need leaders, but we don't need. The hierarchy. And it is possible to have one without the other when you have a community. That's something that we can talk about as we continue here with Carrie Hart and the Sojourner in Adequay on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and Carrie Hart is my guest website, CarrieHart.com, and we hope that you will uh, go to her website and find out more about the work. We'll be linked to her website, folks. We linked all of our guests' websites. There have only been... Less than one-tenth of one percent of our guests who haven't had websites. That's very rare. But Carrie has one, and we want you to go there. Talk to us a little bit about um, this this new, shall we call that the new version of community Mm. that people are looking for. And in some instances, some people have actually found it elsewhere on the planet.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if I know exactly what you're referring to. You well, talking?
0: we've got, we have, there's a, there's a community in Italy. Oh. Uh, Dunamore is the name of the community in Italy. Okay. And they have uh, this incredible underground. Oh my gosh. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life in oh. pictures, but they have, they are their own country, even within of the city, the the country of Italy, they have their own currency, they have their own, uh, uh, um, shall we say, constitution or governing documents and so forth. Uh And people move there from all over the world to be a part of this community that is there to, I think the best way to put it, raise the consciousness, not only of the people that are there, but also of the planet.
1: Oh, fantastic.
0: Yeah. What is this? Dunamore, you said? Dunamore. Dunamore. I believe that's how it's pronounced, Dunamore. I had them on the program some years ago. I need to yeah. get them back to see how things are going. But it was this cavern. Massive, massive cavern. If you were to go down inside the cavern today, it's all lit. It looks like multiple different cathedrals and different chambers that have been painted and lit. And, I mean, it's you wouldn't even know you were underground oh, if you didn't, you know. And um, uh, the story goes that uh, the local authorities found out about this. And yes. they said, you don't have any permits, et cetera, et cetera. You know, all of the bureaucratic stuff. Yeah. So they said, well, why don't you come down and see what we have done? So the authorities went down into the cavern to see what they had done. They were so moved. They said, keep doing what you're doing.
1: Oh, for heaven's sake. Well, I would like to think we don't need to go live in a cavern. No, no, no.
0: They live live on ground. They live above ground. They do.
1: But I, I think where we were going with this community is I think the core thing that happens when you have too much of a hierarchical structure of power and money is that you... It's almost like the people that have the power and the money become bullies to the rest of us, right? Yes. And and then because we are positioned and we're trained, we are trained to our society. From little kids, we learn you do this, you get punished. You do this, you get rewarded. This is the way it is. And we are trained to fit into the institutional structures of our society. And those institutional structures are in our society are hierarchical. There's somebody in power and and gets all the goodies (laughs) and a bunch of people that don't. And that's the way it is. And yet, as we're talking about in the spiritual realms, I believe that we are all one. We're Mm -hmm. all one. Mm -hmm. There's a level at which all hierarchy i i believe that's a human construct that is not beneficial human construct on the earth and it is not what awaits us uh when we're through with this earthly life and we become just pure energy of our true selves i don't believe that's hierarchical at all
0: you know one of the things that flashed through my mind just now was that there's a there's there is a place on this planet not a place physically uh, where when you are participating there is no hierarchy and that is uh, in um, uh, in games now I'm not talking about necessarily sports okay mm-hmm. I'm talking let's just say like a board game in chess oh. there are two players, but neither player is above the other they're equal right. In, yeah, uh, I, I was thinking for some reason, I was thinking of Monopoly. It's the same thing. Everybody is on a, a, an even keel to start. To start.
1: Um, ah, but somebody gets on Park Place.
0: Well, that is true. That is how the process will unfold. But initially, everybody is equal, everybody has the same opportunities and the same possibilities. It's how they choose. What they choose, when they choose, where they choose, etc., that makes the I difference.
1: Wish, I wish we could say that in our society everyone has equal opportunity. Yeah, we can't say that, of course.
0: No, I mean, but at the same time, wouldn't you agree that there are those who, at first glance, you'd say, oh, they they don't have an." I mean, we're watching from a distance, okay? They don't mm-hmm. have an oppor- They don't have the same opportunities that this person over here had. And when you turn around and you look again at that person who you said didn't have opportunities, they've done something that has made a significant difference in their own life. Yes. And off they go, they have made choices that have catapulted them to places. That's right.
1: And And so...
2: Go ahead,
0: go ahead. We all have the opportunity
1: to open ourselves to the the guidance that's there for us in other words we all have the opportunity at some point to stop listening to the people that are trying to push us down Mm -hmm. in the hierarchy and open ourselves to what i'm calling adequate open ourselves to uh to our inner potential to to grow it might be at some point when your children, you know, that there's a lot of difference in opportunity. But at some point when you become an adult, if you open yourself to the guidance that you can reach, mm-hmm. that's there for you. Yeah. And we also all have the opportunity to reach inner peace. So I believe strongly that happiness is a choice that we make in the here and now I can make a choice to be happy it isn't a future my circumstance has to change I think that's one of the problems where all our society raises us say well I'll be happy when yeah in fact right now that's that's when I can be happy right now
0: yeah (laughs) I'm happy right now I am, too. (laughs) Our founding documents uh, give us those inalienable rights of life, liberty, and happiness. Oh, I'm sorry. Pursuit of happiness. I beg your pardon. But it is a choice. It really is. It is. It is. And we all do have that choice. Yeah. We have that choice. Yeah. And and what's interesting is, (laughs) I I have to chuckle at this. There are people who choose not to be happy. I mean, they actually choose not to be happy. They want to be miserable. You know, it's really astounding. We're talking with Carrie Hart, and we're talking here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, it's been a real pleasure to have Carrie Hart with us here on the program. CarrieHart.com and Sojourner in Ataquay. And I want to thank you so much for your time. I have three final questions that I uh, would like to ask you. You may have addressed them within the program, but I like to ask them directly. But before I do, I want to thank you for listening to and watching. Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. We are streaming live at those times, as well as Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And uh, we also encourage you to listen to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Tune in radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player, FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. And we're on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. I hope to subscribe to the podcasts and video casts. You know that we're over 90,000 listens after five years. It's amazing. Since nineteen nineteen, eight uh I almost said eighteen hundred. Uh, since 2018, uh, which is uh, putting us at uh, I think about five years uh, 1920, 2018, 1920, one to two, five years. Yes, <laughs> 90,000 listens on the podcast. Hope you'll uh, I, I, I appreciate that, and I appreciate you folks listening. I also appreciate uh, you folks participating in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, where we ask you to go within. We've been talking about that throughout the entire program and listen to that still small voice. And if you can support the work we're doing here financially, we would greatly appreciate that. We have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. It'll ask you for an email address to whom you are sending it to Richard at RichardDugan.com. That's the email Richard at RichardDugan.com. And with that, we go to the three final questions as we wrap up this program today with our guest. Uh, The first of the three questions is Who is Carrie Hart?
1: (laughs) Who is Carrie Hart? Well, I'm a spiritual explorer, and uh, someone who uh, I want to help other people come into this place of peace and connection and understanding that I have. Feel I'm. I'm. I was going to say that I've achieved, but of course, I'm in the process of achieving. Mm. <laughs>
0: Next question is, what is your life's purpose?
1: Well, I believe that there's a level at which I believe we all have the same purpose, which is to bring out our fullest expression of who we are, to bring out our talents, to bring out everything that we are and put it out there as authentically
0: as we can. Last question. I hope you get the reference. What was your best day? You hope I get the
1: reference? Oh, I guess I didn't.
0: <laughs> the movie City Slickers. Oh. What was your best day?
1: My best day? Gee, I don't really think in those terms. Um I mean I've had so many wonderful days. I'm not I may have to take a pass on that one, Richard. My best day. Well, I loved my wedding day. Uh. I loved that. That was great. Just the moment, actually it would be a moment rather than the whole day, the moment of marrying my husband.
0: Wonderful. Carrie Hart, thank you again for joining us on the program. It oh, a pleasure. Hi.
1: Well, thank
2: you.
0: This was a real pleasure. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love, to and... Jeanette, I am listening.